Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined on Wednesdays by... This is Dustin Shooty. Dustin, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I am at Shooty Dustin. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday evening, which means we've had right at a full 24 hours uh, to talk about the college football playoff rankings, which folds right into our weekly segment now. <laughs> Instead of grinds, whatever grinds my gears, we are going to talking, to, of course, about our weekly segment, Bothers My Big. There was a couple things uh, that I think there were some Big Ten people like me and you and the people listening to this could be annoyed. Go ahead, Dustin. Where do you want to start with that one, buddy? Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, so. <laughs> First off, I'm interested to see what what uh, gripes you had about this to see if we have any major differences. Okay, I'm going to start off at the, at the lower end. Number one, Maryland six and two should be ranked. Yep. I don't know why they're not. They would be. They would be. They would beat UCF. I don't think UCF is very good. Texas at five and three, basically because they have a close loss to Alabama, or maybe that's because they want to prop up Alabama for that number six ranking. Something going on there. Don't understand that. Um. The next thing I had was uh, number 10 LSU at six and two. I here's the thing. I don't necessarily even have a huge problem with LSU at number 10, but why is there five spaces between them and Penn state? Yep. Penn state has lost to the number two team, which they played really well, by the way, last week and the number five team, which they led early in the third quarter on the road. LSU lost to a bad Florida State team, albeit week one. Yeah. And then they got beat by the number one team. So I don't understand why uh, there's that space there between those those two teams. Doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I know why. It's so you get a top 10 matchup in Alabama, LSU. And it's so you get a top three matchup with Georgia and Tennessee. And then just Alabama above TCU. And here's the part, here's the part that bothers me. A lot of people say, well, it's going to work itself out. Uh, why are we worried about this all that much? If TCU wins out, okay, well, if it's going to work itself out, why wouldn't you put an undefeated team who has rocked just about everybody they've played? Why would you not put them ahead of a one-loss team? Right. If it's going to work itself out, why are you putting Alabama there? You are automatically saying that Alabama's schedule is tougher, and if they run the table, they're going to be in ahead of an undefeated uh, an undefeated TCU team. That's Correct. what it says to me. Yeah. So don't the part that bugs me is don't tell me it doesn't matter to work itself out. Put the undefeated team in front of the one lost team then. Um, are we officially in a spicy shooty? I, I think I think we just I, yes. got it right there, didn't we? Nice. <laughs> we oh, did. I love him. I love that guy. Um, loved it. Love the rant right there. Great questions. I mean, one of the things you said or brought up is people saying it doesn't matter. Kirk Herbstreet said on the show last night it matters. He said it Good. himself because he said that the, the committee is speaking volumes by putting TCU where they were. Um, Tom Fernelli, you know, cover three podcast. He put it out on Twitter earlier in the day that he predicted TCU to be fourth. I immediately replied back to him like, no chance. <laughs> like, I don't see that happening. And I didn't put it in there. Uh, but I th I remember thinking they, there's a better chance they'd be at seven than fourth. I, I wish I would have put it because that's where they... They wound up. I thought yeah. maybe I was being a little too dramatic with that. No, I wasn't. Of course, they put Alabama in front of them. Um, 
Yeah, and and by the way, when we point these things out, you know, why is LSU where they're at? Why is Penn State where they're at? Uh, there is a certain other podcaster that maybe was a guest on our podcast at one point that says we are, quote unquote, chasing ghosts. It's just incredible how often these ghosts seem to to present themselves. It, it, it's Am I a person that 100% believes in ghosts? I, I don't think I'm there yet, okay? However... If me and you and Kurt and five of our listeners were sitting in the downstairs athletic club and a ghost walked right through my patio door and through the living room and back out the other door, my guess is I would have a much better belief that ghosts exist. And so would the other people looking in the room. And if we all went out and said, we all saw a ghost, I don't think it makes us crazy. That's my really dramatic way of saying, I don't think we're seeing ghosts. I think we see stuff like that. Then to add on to what seems like to be a biasy spices whatever the the word is i didn't like how curb street when he brought up illinois he yes. used the phrase what is going on in illinois and it wasn't like a look at this team they're they're you should check them out it was like oh my god like illinois you know i mean it would it, i that is the stuff that like i i don't know how people can hear that and not hear his inflection and how he uses it. And oh, by the way, Illinois fans, welcome to the party because it, yeah. they have they have not, this is their first you know time in the college football playoff rankings. It's and Kurt, by the way, completely double back on never wanting to watch that show. It's the stupidest thing in the world. He <laughs> dialed into that show, Kurt. I and was coming television. <laughs> um, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, anyways, like they see it now. Anybody that dials in as a Big Ten fan that sees Penn State where they're at, Illinois where they're at, I don't know how you miss that stuff. I legitimately, when I heard him say that, and I only watched through maybe about the last, I don't know, the rankings came out then maybe five or ten minutes after. I didn't even watch the interview they did with Boo Corrigan or Kerrigan or whatever his name is. I don't care. But I legitimately thought, is there a lot? are there a lot of injuries at Illinois? Did somebody get suspended? I Like the way he said it, made me think Illinois could lose their next game. Like that's because usually when Kirk Herbstreet talks about this stuff, he's like, boy, how about Illinois? Right. How about Brett Bielema? But it was, it was such a, boy, the Big Ten West, I, I guess they'll be okay. Maybe they can make a run. It was kind of just like one of those, I can't believe I have to talk about the Illinois yes. fighting Illini. And, and I, I agree with you. And he prefaced it by doing a good job of pointing out some of the teams that were like 11 through 15. Yeah. And they're new, they're new teams to it. And he's like, Hey, let's, this is awesome. Let's check this out. So I was like, nice, Kirk. You're not just talking yeah. about the top five or six teams that are going to make the college football playoff. And then he ruined it with that. Um, the LSU thing at 10, I mean, it's just a ploy. It's a ploy because yeah. that's who Alabama's playing and because they don't know what to do since they just beat Ole Miss. So they have, right. they have Ole Miss sitting there. So they just put LSU, LSU up there. Well, Stick to your laurels. If it, if it, if you really think this team's not that good, then then don't put them as high. Even though it just happened, like like isn't that what they're right. supposed to do? They're supposed to use all the data, not just every single head to head. I get recency bias is always going to matter, but again, it's they, they're just moving. They're moving things all around. They move the goalposts all around. It was just another uh, uh, exercise in that last night. And it is even more mind boggling considering last year. They put Michigan ahead of Michigan State a week or two after Michigan State beat Michigan head to head right. and had a better record. Right. Like, what the hell are you doing? 
I don't know. There's just no consistency, and that's what makes everybody so upset. By the way, speaking of Michigan, they should not be behind Clemson. Um, oh, see, I disagree. Ooh, really? Oh, I do. Okay, let me. I shouldn't say disagree. I have no problem with where those two teams stand. It doesn't because I went back and I thought about it, and then I thought if I looked at Michigan's schedule and had Maryland been. If you look at the rankings, they, they played the three best teams probably in the ACC outside of North Carolina. They beat Syracuse, they beat North Carolina State, and they beat Wake Forest. Michigan has beaten Maryland and Penn State. Um, their non-conference schedule was not good, and, and I don't think Clemson's non-conference schedule was good either. I don't have it in front of me. But I have I had less of a problem with those two teams because I feel like if Clemson loses a game, they're going to be out anyway. Um, and Michigan still has Ohio State on the schedule. So I, I shouldn't say I disagree. I would have probably put Michigan ahead of Clemson. But when you go back and look at some of the teams Clemson has beat, I don't actually have a problem with them being four right now. Anyway. Well, okay. I just It's just that one of the teams that they beat that's ranked is NC State, who I just don't think should be ranked at all. I, I think Maryland should be ranked sure. in front of NC State. So that's I one I would, I would take off. For me – as much as it makes me vomit in my mouth, Tennessee Tennessee should be number one. I I, I have to admit it. I would put o- Ohio State second, Georgia third. So they got that just how I, I would have it. But I would have Michigan fourth, Clemson fifth, TCU sixth, and then Alabama seventh. And then it's kind of a crapshoot after that. Yeah, I I would I have no problem. That's it. like I said, the the Clemson Michigan not as big of a deal, but the rest of it I have I I'm I'm with you on yeah on TCU ahead of Alabama. Well, there it is. Uh, I feel like the first one is always the one that ticks people off the most because then it's a combination of you get numb to it where it it loses its novelty by the second, third or fourth week. And then obviously teams start picking each other off. So there's not as much debate, but I think they put it right about now because it's about the perfect time. There's, there's always enough undefeated and one loss teams where it's enough for knuckleheads like me and you to get frustrated and fight about. But anyways, that was fun. All right, man. Should we get into the games? Cause we got a couple of them this week. Let's do it. All right, baby. All 14 Big 10 teams in action. That's seven games, zero teams idle. That's right. If you are listening to this podcast and you are a Big 10 fan, your team is playing this weekend and it's playing another Big 10 team, which is the first time that's happened in the year 2022. With that being said, very excited, horrible TV lineup, how they did this, like freaking all the games are early. I don't get it. I no. <laughs> All right. So we all these games take place on Saturday, November 5th. Beware the bad weather, folks. Okay. Look up the weather in whatever game you are paying most attention to. Um, I don't have enough time this week to do a weather forecast for every area, but a couple of them I did look in on. Another thing I want to beware, beware my picks. That goes to you, Dustin. That goes to the listeners. Anybody that's using me, I I, I tell you what, these are tough this week. Yes. There could be a couple of these. If you make a heck of a argument i might switch it on the fly because these are are tough this week first game up the number two ranked ohio state buckeyes at the northwestern wildcats this is an 11 o'clock a.m game on abc line buckeyes by 38 over under 59 so vegas is saying something like 50 to 12 buckeyes something like that 50 to 10 excuse me buckeyes uh what you looking at here dustin because i think we're all seeing the same thing Primary thing is don't get injured. Get to 9-0 and if you're Ohio State and just get on the next week. And I, <laughs> same thing applies to Northwestern. Just don't get hurt. 
yeah. this is like to me like little giants little giants level type of mismatch um the only thing i would say is i'm going to be interested to see what Ohio State's offense looks like after all the screen passes <laughs> last week against Penn State. I'm interested. I think they could pick up some yardage, obviously, with that this week. But just just curious because that I don't feel like we've seen that a lot from Ohio State this year, and it was just kind of just kind of an odd thing to see against yeah. Penn State. The one thing I'd say about Northwestern is okay when the coaching staff looks back on the season, what did they learn this last month, right? That is what you are trying to pull out is with younger guys. Like I know coaches will ever say they're, they're not playing younger guys. They're always trying to win the game. They're not, I, I don't know. They're, I don't think they can realistically think they are going to win this game. So like no. learn something in this game, figure a couple more things out with your young quarterback, a couple guys rotating it, learn something from this game for Ohio state. I mean, you've already said this is a this is about as mis a big a mismatch as you're ever going to get in the Big Ten. With that being said, I think there are Buckeye fans that want to see blood. I think Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud wants to see blood in this game. I, I think there is a certain Heisman situations going on. Yes, uh, uh, stats matter type of stuff. They don't want to lose that number two ranking in the. So I really that in my prediction here. I am predicting that even when the game is well past decided, they are going to keep pouring it on because they want to put that big number up on the, on the screen. Are you kind of feel the same way? I do. I don't think, I don't think there's going to be any sort of relentless, any sort of relent in this game. Um, and especially because you've got Michigan at the end of the month. And I think they see how, how strong Michigan is right now. So you want to be in, in peak visit. I mean, you want to be playing your best football. So I think that's why you're going to work some things out. I'm interested to see, what the offense just kind of looks like the other, the one last thing I would throw in here about Northwestern is because I think maybe this might be the only team that applies to this week is you got four games left. You got that red shirt rule. You can start to work in some of those young guys. Like you just said, rotate some guys in, see what you maybe have going into the off season. Cause it, like you said, I don't see how anybody on that staff thinks they have a shot to this, <laughs> to win this game. And who knows what this crowd's going to look like. I mean, that's the one oh, thing you're yeah. scared of for Ohio state is, sleepy hangover after Penn state, you know, nobody in the stadium, but my guess is there's going to be, my guess is there's a decent amount of Buckeye fans in Chicago land. They're going to show up for this game and, and give them a good cheer. So I'll start first. A lot of points early and often I got Ohio state 58 Northwestern six. So that's a pretty easy Ohio state cover. And at 64 points, I got that going over. I've got Ohio State 56, Northwestern 13. So that's an Ohio State cover. And that's at 69 nice points. That's an over. <laughs> All right. Moving on to a pretty interesting little matchup. The bits of broken chair. Minnesota Golden Gophers going down to Lincoln to take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN2. Line Gophers by 16 over under 46.5 so vegas is saying something like 31 to 16 gophers i found this uh tweet uh earlier today thought it was pretty interesting this is from john m bishop uh, i believe he is a, a journalist of some sort in lincoln or maybe a broadcaster this is uh in re uh, in re uh, relation to the line which is 15 and a half 16 now actually at present, this is John now, <laughs> at present line is Nebraska 16 versus Minnesota. If it holds, it will be the third largest underdog line for the Huskers in the state's third largest city since 1998 and likely 
since at least 1961. So long story wow. short, the third biggest underdog at home for Ohio, for um, Nebraska, the other two, 2019 versus Ohio State, which was 17, and 2017 with Ohio State at 24 points. So if uh, this is who they are chasing uh, in the in the Big Ten, uh, Minnesota's getting close to those big numbers right there. So anyways, pretty interesting matchup. What are you looking at here, Dustin? First of all, I'm kind of surprised the Ohio State lines were that low. Um, it's just kind of shocking considering the way those two programs have played. Um, in this one, so I looked at the line. And initially, and I meant to look up how well Minnesota has run the football against Nebraska, but it completely spaced my mind. But um, I didn't quite get it because I thought Nebraska would be able to put up some points. But we don't know. Casey Thompson is still day-to-day. As far as I know, we don't know if he's going to play. It sounded like what Mickey Joseph said, we hope he plays, but he's probably not going to play. I don't know that I have them much faith in their offense now to move the ball against a really good Minnesota defense. I know that they had some issues against Penn State. That was a wideout game. You were ushering in a new quarterback. Your defense had to be on the field quite a bit. Um, I just think this, this to me, is a game that I think P.J. Fleck is going to play P.J. ball. Ball control, would they have the ball? 41 minutes against Rutgers? I, I think that this is going to be the same sort of thing because Nebraska's defense, while it's gotten better since the, the change at defensive coordinator and since Frost has gone away, I still don't think that they can handle a rushing attack. We saw that last week against Illinois. Mohamed Ibrahim is going to – I think he's going to have a big day. And then the passing attack, Tanner Morgan, they're going to be able to do just enough to keep the defense on their heels. So this is going to be, to me, a typical Minnesota game. We've seen what they've been able to do in their five wins this season. I just don't know how Nebraska's defense is going to be get, get off the field. And then with Casey Thompson questionable, if he doesn't play – I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball at all against Minnesota's defense. So I'm just going to say this right now. I am by my prediction and by how this line looks, I am going under the assumption that Casey Thompson is not playing right. in this game. Like you have, to, there are certain players and games where you, we have to make a line of demarcation and I'm making it right now. If we get word that Casey Thompson is playing Saturday morning, this prediction goes right out the window because yes. there's, there's, it, it is that big of a difference, right? So now the thing I would say is this, what we saw in the second half against Illinois, there's two things you got to factor in. Number one, that's the Illinois defense. Okay. And number two, those guys got no reps. Okay. We're talking about Brock Purdy and um, um, why am I brain farting on the other quarterbacks? Smothers. Smothers. Thank you. Logan Smothers. Wow. Um, And, but they got no reps that week. They, the coaches even admitted as much that they did not get reps, which by the way, it's not fantastic coaching. I mean, you got to be prepared for your starting quarterback to go down. So I'm not, that's not in the defense on the, on the staff's decision so much as it is what the players look like last Saturday. I think they will look better. I think they're going to use both, which I think is very smart because yes. they're two very different quarterbacks. So dig into the old frost playbook. Some of the stuff that they did with smothers versus Iowa last year. I think they will. I think you will see that. And then pretty, has got to look better, right? It, yes. it, I mean, it's a, it's an easy joke, but things look pretty ugly when he got in there last week. I do think it will look better. One of the things that's got to look better, he's got he he's got to make better decisions with just not putting the ball at risk. Like that would be the number one thing I would want to do. With that being said, you got to take the lo- the YOLO shots 
uh, up. I mean, that 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 is their their entire offense, not entire, but a big chunk of their offense to Trey Palmer. So you you he's got to be smarter with the ball. And I know I'm kind of talking out of two sides of my mouth, but he's he's got to put the ball in play to Trey Palmer to see if he hits some some big throws. Well, you, I mean, you got to take chances because Minnesota, this is the thing about Minnesota. They don't turn you over a lot. They are very sound tacklers and they can get you in the open field. So you can't dink and dunk them really down the field. It's going to be the same situation that you saw against Illinois. They, those guys are really good tacklers. PJ has said, basically said, we don't need turnovers, If we, which by the way, I wish more teams would take that philosophy because it's annoying to watch how many broken tackles there are on a weekly basis yes, across yes, the country. Yes. Um, different, different topic for a different day. <laughs> for sure. But I, but you have to take those. I agree with you. You got to take some risks in this game. And by the way, you're three and five. Why wouldn't you take some risks anyway? I mean, right. you, you're playing with house money at this point. Try to. This is a quasi rivalry game, mostly for all the fans on Twitter. But take your shots down the field because if you try to dink and dunk. And by the way, I also think that they can do some things on the ground. Um, not not great things on the ground, but I still I still think Nebraska's got a decent rushing attack and can at least keep Minnesota off guard. If you're able to get some play action working for you, that gives you a much better shot. Yep. Um, and having said that, I, even though they're going to get more reps, they're going to look better. The quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Logan Smothers. I, I still think this defense is, is going to be held for, yep. for those two guys. Yep. So, so good matchup here between Cherry Palmer and those cornerbacks, Howden and Wally. Yep. I mean, they're, they're two underrated quarterbacks. Um, Mo Ibrahim will have a great day, right? It, it is. Yeah. I, I would probably set his over under at around 150, 160 for yards. Uh, carries could be 40. To, I mean, whatever it takes for that guy. I will say that I want to give a shout out to Luke Reimer. That guy playing linebacker for Nebraska is doing everything he can. Like, I, he, I, it felt like he was making almost every tackle last week. It'll feel like he's probably making every tackle this week. He makes a huge difference. If he goes out again, by the way, you know, cancel Christmas at that point for Nebraska, but, but he, he is fight. I, I see a bit more of a fight. Okay. I see a couple surprises out of Nebraska that maybe we aren't expecting because it looked so bad last week. With that being said, mostly it will look like the Minnesota games, but just a touch of Nebraska's having more success than people think. So I've got Minnesota 28. Nebraska 13. So that is a Nebraska cover ever so slightly. I don't love this thing at all. And at 41 points, I've got that under. I've got Minnesota 31, Nebraska 14. So that's a, uh, that is a Nebraska cover. No, I'm sorry. That's a Minnesota cover. Minnesota and at cover. 45, that's an under. Okay. All right. Sticking into the morning again, uh, the Maryland Terrapins at the Wisconsin Badgers, 11 o'clock a.m. game on BTN line Badgers by five over under 50.5. So Vegas is saying 30 to 24. This is a super intriguing game to me. Um, really tick. This is on at the same time as the Iowa yeah. game. I, I don't know. This felt like a 230 game to me. I was hoping it was going to be an afternoon game. I thought this would rank higher in the the poll this week for games because it's, you know, it's a very close spread. I don't know. Maybe I just think it's sometimes with the East and the West, it doesn't garner as much attention out of, out of big 10 fans, by the yeah. way, East is at nine wins. The West is at six wins right now. We pretty much think uh, Ohio state's going to get the East to 10 wins here. Uh, anyways, what you looking at for this game? This was by far the one I hated picking the most. Um, so just some quick stats I wanted to throw out here. 
here. So I looked this up. So I have to use, basically it's 150. Technically the statistic is 149, but basically 150. Maryland is 6-0 this season when rushing for 150 yards or more. 0-2 when they don't hit that mark. Uh, Wisconsin's run defense mm. has allowed 150 yards just one time this season, and that was to Ohio State. So, <laughs> wow. I th- I think the ground game is going to be critically important, and the reason I say that is because we just saw what Wisconsin's defense did to Purdue's offense a couple weeks ago, and I think that these passing attacks are incredibly similar. Now, the one the one benefit I will get Maryland is they've got a a few more playmakers. They're not going to just feed it to one guy like Purdue does. They've got a a couple, a a bevy of receivers that can change the game. So maybe the fact that they can spray it a little bit more around the field might be more beneficial for them. Sounds like Talia is going to be back in the lineup. That's a huge advantage. Um, So this is, to me, this is the game's going to be won or lost on the ground. I think this is going to be a really close game. Wisconsin's defense, I, I look through it. The games that they've really struggled is when they're penalized. So I understand that they, they don't look as crisp as they have in the past. They're missing some tackles. They're still really good at, at intercepting passes. I think they got 14 on the season. John Torchio can be a problem back there. I, I don't know. I look through this game. I hated it. Uh, I think... I think Wisconsin's rushing attack with Braylon Allen, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. They might be able to score some points on Maryland's defense. So to me, the fun matchup in this one is going to be what can Maryland's offense do against that Wisconsin defense? And the funny thing is, is we would have said that back in August. That would be the most interesting thing. But I I mean, Wisconsin's defense isn't as good as we thought it it probably would have been back in August. And in all honesty, I I think Maryland's offense looks quite a bit different than what we thought it would be. And you're bringing up a good point is because it's more rush based than we ever would have thought it would have been Um, that. So that is a very interesting point. Um, I do find the other side pretty interesting as well, because I I do not know what to expect from Wisconsin's (laughs) offense, because I don't know what to expect from Graham Mertz. But is it a situation where. You know, we always talk about the, you know, the the Hoosier line. I could have brought it up with Minnesota. You know, we've kind of got that. Is there a little bit of that with Wisconsin's offense? We saw how much it exploded versus Northwestern. Now, I think Maryland's defense is is better than Northwestern's. Do not get me wrong. But this is not one of the better defenses. And Purdue would be another example of not a great defense that Wisconsin all of a sudden exposed. So like in looking for comparisons is that comparison of Purdue versus Wisconsin very much. Should that play into the prediction of Maryland versus Wisconsin? Like that's how I started to, to, to look at this because honestly, usually the thing that touches up Wisconsin's defense the most is other teams passing attacks because the secondary just isn't quite as strong for whatever reason for Wisconsin, but boy, they didn't have much issues versus that Purdue passing attack. So man, this is, I mean, dude, just flip a quarter with this game. Right. And, and exactly happened. Right. The, the one thing I will say is I do think that Aiden O'Connell is quite a bit more erratic than Talia Tungavailoa, uh, at least this season. Cause Tungavailoa has five interceptions on the year. Um, and so the thing that's the thing that hurt Purdue in that game is when you when you throw the ball three times and you can't run the ball, your defense is getting out there quick, 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 quick. So if Maryland can at least in, 
we've talked about this with Iowa's offense. If you, instead of having a 30 second drive, if you can have a three and a half minute drive, that is a huge difference to your defense. And that's why I think that's going to be a key to the game. That's not to say Maryland has to score every time they they touch the football. They don't have to rush for 250 yards. Can you establish enough of a run game where you're not, you're not, you're not having a minute long drive and you give the ball to Wisconsin where they can hand it off to Braylon Allen, hit you with some play action, let Graham Mertz get into a groove. Because I think against Maryland's defense, once again, I think Graham Mertz doesn't have to be great, but I think he can get into enough of a rhythm where he can be dangerous. Agree. Um, and I think third down is going to be huge for Maryland. It's going to be Leah yep. getting out of the pocket and making plays. Like if it if if there's something that busts the back of the Badger defense, I think that's what it's going to be. I think he'll do that for the most part, but – I don't know, man. There's this newfound confidence I have with Wisconsin right now. Uh, certainly the Purdue, you know, score plays into that. They're coming off an idle week playing at yes. home. And it's it's just tough. It's tough to pick against Wisconsin. I, I do think that line is asking you to take Maryland. So maybe I am doing something stupid here, but I'm just taking the points. That That's what I'm doing. This game's a mystery to me. So I'm taking the points. I've got Wisconsin 28 Maryland 27. So I got a heck of a game here. And at 55 points, I got that going over. Sounds like we're seeing pretty much the same game. I've got Wisconsin 28, Maryland 24. So that's still a Maryland cover and that's an under. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sip neat or is perfect for classic bourbon cocktails. Just like your favorite go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder options so you can see where to find it near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. We got four games left. Moving in to the afternoon, we're going to be saving one of those early games for the Big Ten game of the week. The Michigan State Spartans traveling into what's going on in Champaign to take on the number 16 Illinois Fighting Illini. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network line. Illini by 16 over under 41 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 30 to 13 Illinois. So the two things I would say is this is number one. Wow. Things can change fast in college football, right? Yes. Look at where these two teams were at and considered last year, Michigan state rolling through everybody. They would have just gotten done beating Michigan, uh, Illinois looking better, but let's be honest. They were struggling much more fast forward to one year. Now, Illinois is the one that looks great. They are favored by a lot of points. Just saying you're never that far away from either falling apart or getting it figured out in college football. The other thing I would say, too, is with that line, I, I Vegas is incredible. They put that line out on Sunday. Why? I'm convinced they already knew guys were going to be suspended for this yeah. game. There's no way. Because I, I, it when I saw this line, I just was like, what is going on? Something is up. I think this is what's up. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, they're now they're now going to be without Angelo Gross, Jacoby Winman, Zion Young, Justin White. I mean, those are four contributors on defense, and Winman's their best defensive player. So, I mean, first of all, heading into this game in the first place, I thought, how is Michigan State terrible on defense going to be able to slow down Chase Brown? How are they going to be able to uh, temper Tommy touchdown Tommy DeVito? 
And now I just don't feel like they have any chance. I feel like what happened in that, in that tunnel at Michigan is going to be the demise of Michigan state and not from like a, a suspension or anything else standpoint, just from a, a point that they've reached their breaking point. And this thing is going to come completely unglued. Like the, I believe this game could get really ugly. I don't know that it will, but Illinois is rolling right now. I mean, just get the ball to chase Brown and you, yep. you'll be just fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody breaking this game down that breaks Michigan state down is going to hit the points. You just hit guys out the way things are like, this would have been tough. Even if without the tunnel game, they just got done playing their rival. Um, So you, you add that in. I mean, there, there's stuff swirling all around there. Like it's not good. It's not good in smarty land right now. Um, And and the tunnel stuff just made it worse. And then you got to hit the road too, by the way, even if they maybe were playing at home, but they were just at Michigan Stadium last week. Right. Two weeks in a row. That also plays in to how big this line is. So I, I get it. Um, Illinois, gutty win versus Nebraska. I mean, it had Casey Thompson been in that game, it would have been, it would have been much closer, but I still felt that Illinois was the better team. They just keep doing what they're doing. But part of what they're doing is running the ball. They're they're not necessarily a big tempo thing, tempo team. And on top of that, they're just dink and dunk. Like I just keep waiting for the big shots to happen. Yeah. But until they do, it's hard to predict Illinois putting up a, a boatload of points in any game because, like, right. look, I mean, that's just not that's not what they do. They control the game, but they don't put up a ton of points. So, you know, that's still a lot of points for uh, Illinois to cover, even even with all the guys missing from Illinois or from uh, Michigan State. Two other things that that I would factor into this because I think this plays into the team's psyche a little bit. Number one, that that team has to be sensing that they're closing in on a Big Ten West championship. I think Brett Bielema is going to dangle that like a carrot, uh, and because he, this team has already responded to him so well in the first two years of him being the head coach. The other part is uh, maybe this. I feel like Bielema is pretty good at using stuff as motivation. He's got uh, there are four two lost teams ranked ahead of Illinois in the college football playoff rankings i feel like he might use that as motivation yep and i wouldn't want to be michigan state again losing all losing four significant contributors on your defense not being able to figure out anything offensively their run game has been sporadic sometimes it's looked really good sometimes it's looked abysmal i i just think that this is going to be one of those illinois is going to flex its muscle and you're going to start to talk about it is illinois potentially a top 10 college football playoff team right now Okay, what do you got? I have got Illinois 34, Michigan State 10. So that's an Illinois cover, uh, and that is an over. And Illinois covering is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Nice. Okay, we're not too far off. Um, All the things you're hitting on, I do think they want to drive home to the country and anybody watching that they're pretty darn good. They probably feel like there's, there's eyeballs on them. But I also feel like they need to start working in McCray and so you know, like yeah. like which will take down some of the explosive plays sure. uh um from Chase Brown. Just little stuff like that. I I I just don't see them doing it yet where they're ch- chucking the ball down the field. Now, this is Sparty's secondary. So if there's a game where suddenly they start taking shots down the field, maybe this is it. And if that's the case, then they'll put up more points. But I got Illinois 30. Michigan State 13, and at 43 points, I got that just going over. 
Next game up, the number 15-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions going into Bloomington to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. It's a 2.30 p.m. game on ABC line. Nittany Lions by 14. That has pretty much held there all week. Over under 50.5, so Vegas is saying 34 to 20. I bet you I'll steal a talking point from you right here by big win last week for Ohio, uh, uh, or big uh, game, excuse me, last week versus Ohio State. Emotional in that they had that game close all the way into the fourth quarter, and then it gets ripped out from underneath them with big plays by Stroud, defensive plays by Ohio State. Now, you go on the road and play in <gasps> sleepy Bloomington. Maybe helps a little bit that it's a two thirty game, but yeah. that's the biggest. That's the biggest story in this game right here is is how how much on fire can Penn can we expect Penn State to be considering? Well, I talked about this the last time after Penn State got throttled by Michigan and how they don't typically respond the next week. And I thought that they would lose to Minnesota, but they showed me something in that game. And I know that there were some you know, outstanding circumstances, but I think you're right. I will say this would have, I would be a little bit more confident in Indiana if this was a noon kickoff, but the fact that it's three 30 for whatever reason makes me think that Penn state is going to come out and uh, maybe they'll look a little bit like Michigan did a few weeks ago where it was a close game in the first half. But I think Penn state, they're gonna. I think they're going to be able to bust it open. The biggest factor in this is it, Indiana's top receiver, Cam Camper, out for the season. We don't. We assume Connor Bazelak's going to start. Tommy Allen has not really revealed his hand. By the way, if Jack Tuttle uh, starts in this game or plays in this game, that's a fireable offense immediately <laughs> after he's already said he's entering the transfer portal. Um, I just. I once again, I don't know how Indiana's offense is going. Offensive line is going to be able to block this Penn State defensive line. They did have, you know, some time, so an extra week to maybe work some work some things out. Um, maybe they'll try some some trickeration or try to catch Penn State sleeping. I just don't think they might they might have some success early. I just don't think over the course of the game, I don't think Penn State's defense is going to allow that for a full four quarters. And by the way, while Indiana has fought this season, we have not seen them play a complete sixty minute game at any point this season. Yeah. So. To me, as long as as long as Sean Clifford doesn't have a three touchdown, three interception performance to keep Indiana in it, I feel really good about Penn State. Just want to see him do some things on the ground. Uh, I think they've been successful in that in that regard. Play a clean game if you're Sean Clifford, and you should be able to get out of Bloomington. I think with a win. Yeah, and we'll see if it's kind of a combination of Clifford and Alar. Um, I, there's a lot of Penn State fans that want to see Alar. I think you yeah. will see some Alar, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, the, this would not be a bad game to, for him to get reps. With Indiana, you hit on a lot of the stuff. I don't expect him to be able to run the ball. It's my new phrase I like saying. Take the YOLO shots uh, down the field, even with Cam Camper. I just don't see I don't see how else they, they are moving the ball. But if you don't want it to get away from you, you got to watch the turnovers. If you're yeah. Indiana, I don't know. Try to have some fun, man. I don't. I don't know what to say. I wish I had more encouraging things for Hoosier fans, but but it doesn't look good, and this matchup doesn't look good, even with what we think is going to be a sleepy Penn State team coming into town. What do you got here, man? I have got. Oh, I just lost my sheet here. I've got Penn State thirty-eight, Indiana twenty. So that's a Penn State cover, and at fifty-eight, that's an over. Wow. Okay. I didn't think you were setting it up quite like that. I have got sleepy Penn state 31, Indiana 13. 
So at 44 points, I actually got that going under, and I, I kind of like the under in this game. That's interesting with what you went right there. Okay, two games left. Next up, the number five Michigan Wolverines at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is our only evening game, 6.30 p.m. on BTN, Lion Wolverines by 26, over under 45.5. So Vegas is saying something like 35 to 9. What you looking at here, DS? Well, I'm wondering if this is going to be God, – God help Rutgers – uh, I wonder if this is going to be the first time we see Penn or excuse me, Michigan dominate a power five opponent mm. from start to finish because of what happened last week, because of how that went down. And just like I said, with Illinois, Michigan's got to be pissed that they're number five in the college football playoff rankings. They feel like they're the best team in the big 10. They feel like they're probably one of the best teams in the country. And so for them to be behind Ohio state, for them to be behind Clemson, uh, I think they're going to be out to prove a message. The one thing I've been very disappointed about, um, I, I, I don't know that Jim Harbaugh can develop a quarterback still. Can I just say that? Okay. Uh, you just JJ, did. J.J. McCarthy has, earlier this season, I thought, maybe he's going to be a Heisman contender. I know he's young. Five-star kid. If they didn't have the names on the back, I don't know that I'd be able to tell him different from Cade McNamara, at least throwing the ball. I know he's got the legs element, and maybe that helps him a little bit, but I was with you. I think you almost need to go back to what you were doing last year because I think Cade McNamara might be a better passer. So having said that, Michigan doesn't need to pass in this game to win. They can just ground and pound like they've been doing. I just think that they're going to come out of the gates with their hair on fire and dominate this for a full four quarters because they haven't done it yet everything that happened last week, and again, um, the fact that they're number five in the college football playoff rankings. Yeah, so um, Rutgers, just for a little bit, I mean, it's tough. You know, you you look at their total wins and record, like the goal is to try to get to a bowl. Like, you, it's tough. Like, it's tough to think this would be the one. It's kind of like with Northwestern. Give me something to learn in the month of November, even in a game like this. It sucks that they're running back, running back SPV. He's out for the 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 season. I didn't know that last week before the Minnesota game, to be honest with you. That played into it. The offense did not look good. Do something different with Wimsat. I don't know. Get him yeah. rolled out more, like more designed run plays because you can see the athleticism. Like I get something that Michigan has to look at. Like that's what I want to see if I'm a Rutgers fan. On the other side of this, I am basically going with the Kurt quote of maybe just Michigan is who they are, you know, or however he said it. And what I think that is, is they're going to run the ball. They're going to play great defense. They're going to struggle in the red zone against decent defenses of which Rutgers is. So that's what the game I'm expecting. You know, it's a night game. So maybe you get a little bit more piss and vinegar out of Rutgers, but in the end, it's just outside of a, a, Amazing amount of turnovers out of Michigan. I'm not sure how this is going to be a great game. With that being said, I've got Michigan 31, Rutgers 7. So with 38, the under is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. I am basically predicting a Rutgers cover here. That 26-point line is just weird to me. I feel like it should be higher. Vegas is freaking me out right now. So because it's lower... That's one of the bigger reasons I'm taking Rutgers in this game. Yeah, I am freaking out, man. (laughs) Uh, So I actually have quite a few more points. 
I have Michigan 41, Rutgers 9. So that's a Michigan cover. And at 50, that's an over. There's our diversion. We got to have one a game. Otherwise, it would be weird. All right. That brings us to the Big Ten game of the week, getting 37% of the 823 votes. The Iowa Hawkeyes at the Purdue Boilermakers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on FS1. Line Boilermakers by four and a half over under 43. So Vegas is saying something like 24 to 20 Boilermakers. I can already hear, I mean, just the breathless Charlie Jones coverage going into this game. Like, (laughs) could they just make a blanket statement and just be done with it? Like, just one. Just, like... Every like I would think Charlie Jones's family at this point is sick of hearing about it. But anyway, I I want to get off get that off the chest before we even, the game even started because we all know it's going to happen. So by the way, I'm an Iowa guy. You're a Purdue guy. We never really. We, I guess we could have come up with something catchy since since Kurt and I have the eyes bowl between Iowa and Illinois. We could we could have come up with something, but I was too busy this, this is, week. I never I never brainstormed on that. There's something there with IP. <laughs> IP. There's I. I got nothing. That's left. enough. Let's just leave it there. That's good enough. That, that you was, could go pi pi. There you go. You could. You got more of the engineers at, at Purdue. So that's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. What you looking at here, man? So first of all, got to point this out too. Weird. For well, no, two things I got to point out. Number one, you don't have to watch David Bell anymore, so that's a benefit for you. Congratulations on that. This is weird. Okay, so. Purdue or Purdue and Iowa have played five times since Je- since Jeff Brom took over. Three times Purdue has scored exactly twenty four points. They have won all three times. They've scored exactly twenty four points. Hmm. I found that to be quite odd. Um, this is I, I never know what to think about this game. This is such a, an enigma wrapped in a riddle because I always feel like the way Purdue plays offense is plays into Iowa's defensive hand because Aiden O'Connell plays erratic. He throws a lot of interceptions. They don't have a great rushing attack. So Iowa can sit back. And then every freaking year, Purdue figures out how to put points on the board. And the one here's, let me tell you what I think is going to be really interesting about this game. Okay. And I'm not saying, obviously, I don't think Purdue's pass defense is nearly as bad as Northwestern's. I, I think Iowa is going to be able to have, some success throwing the football in this game. That's right. I said it. I think they're going to be able to throw the football, not for 250 yards. Spencer Petras isn't going to throw six touchdown passes, but enough to where it's going to give Purdue fans some nightmares. I just feel like there's going to be some gaps in the defense where Iowa's offense can have success. On the other side, I legitimately don't know what to say. Because every time I try to evaluate this game and say, yep. I think this is going to play right into Iowa's defensive hand, it it doesn't. It's like Phil Parker like goes into a, a a shell of himself, and Purdue just it's just one of those things where Jeff Brom has Phil Parker's number, and I I don't even know what else to explain. The one thing I'll say is I would probably try to incorporate more guys than just Charlie Jones, but they didn't need to do that when they had David Bell. Charlie Jones isn't David Bell though. That's a one I mean, thing. I- I'll- yeah, I think this, the story of this game will be the story in this matchup going forward as long as Jeff Brom and Phil Parker are a member of each football team, right? Is right. It is crazy. Like, it's not crazy that 
you have some success versus Phil Parker throwing the ball. There's been other passing right. attacks that have done that, like USC in the bowl game, for for example. Um, but it's it's the style of the plays uh, uh, that that uh, Jeff Brom does. I was talking to my brother Darren the American today, and and a point that he brought up is that was really good. Like part of what a lot of offensive coordinators do when they go against uh, Iowa and Phil Parker is they might take a couple shots, and if they don't work, they're too afraid to keep going back to the well. He's not. He just yeah. keeps taking shots because he really believes that you know it's going to get there at some point. It has, you know, and and and, and it ha- and then it, it's and the quarterbacks deserve some credit too for Purdue in the past. I mean, David Bell was making plays, but he, they, the quarterbacks were putting the balls in places that he had to go get, you know, now be, then you go down then you go, you, you dial down deeper in this of what you've already talked about is, is there, is there info that Iowa DBs have going against uh, um, um, uh, uh, Charlie Jones for a couple years in practice of a couple things, you know, that he likes to do to set up yeah. his routes or whatnot, or is that an advantage to Charlie Jones and Purdue? Because I've learned new tricks. I know what you, I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a debate. Like everybody is going to be looking at the score of this game first and foremost, but the right. stat line for Charlie Jones after that. So I'm, now I'm leaning into the annoyance of it, but that is going to be a big reason to, for even non-Iowa and Purdue fans to, to to watch this game. See, I thought I had the same thought that you did. I was like, Charlie Jones has some inside intel, so I feel like that's going to be beneficial for Purdue. Purdue didn't need any inside intel, though. They they have that defense figured out. So it makes me go the other way on that and saying Iowa has the inside. They they have the advantage on that side because they know what Charlie Jones likes to do. They know what Tyrone Tracy likes to do. They knows what those. They know what the what the specialties of those two guys are. And by the way, last year, I hate when coaches make this comment, but uh, Jeff Brom was asked about the way Iowa played defense, and he said something along the lines of, I have no idea why they didn't double-team David Bell. And I'm sure, we all talk about these coaches have egos, I'm sure Phil Parker heard that and has made a note of it and is especially wanting to beat Purdue this year. Okay, so that is the debate then, because what of of all the the, the – um coaches rooms that I would have liked to have been a part of this week. It, it, I mean, I, I know I'm being biased here, but it, it would have been Iowa because do you switch it up? You know, like blitz more, have some looks. Cause you're like, I'm tired of Brom doing it. Or do you say, no, damn it. We've got, this is one of the best defenses we've ever had here. We're going to do what we do because, and they don't have David bell. I mean, right. Iowa went toe to toe in the horseshoe with all of those, you know, wide receivers that Ohio State has, a very good quarterback in C.J. Stroud, they held their own until the dam broke way late in the game. So, like, as much respect as I have for Purdue's offense, it's not as good as Ohio State's offense. And then the other thing you add into it is the weather. The weather will play into this if it's as windy and rainy as what they're predicting it to be. So, it like, is that something that plays into Phil Parker's plan where he's like, we're – we still feel like we need to make Brom and, and this passing attack prove it against us. It's, it's very intriguing. This is one other aspect to this whole, this is what's fascinating because like I said, I could, I could talk about this for probably three hours. I know we don't have that kind of time. 
the other part of it for Phil Parker is, does he watch that film of Aiden O'Connell and look at the tight windows that he's able to fit that ball into and say, we're going to wait for him to make a mistake. I trust my DBs. And then Aiden O'Connell just hasn't made a mistake. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't right. even know that it's, it's a problem. It's just, we're going to make that guy make a mistake. And he is just, when he is on, he is as accurate as anybody in the Big Ten, that, maybe in the country. I think that's part of it. And that's why I'm, that's exactly. And you, yeah. you explained it better than me. Like David Bell deserves credit, but man, the quarterbacks have been dialed in versus Iowa as well. Yeah. It's it's not just the wide receivers. Like, so it's, and any quarterback is susceptible to a bad or good game. You know, like nobody's right. perfect all the time. You kind of play the, the, the dice a little bit. Then quickly looking at Iowa's offense. Okay. Did, did they have the, you know, get right game or was it just Northwestern? Right. I mean, that's, that's the question. And it's a little bit of both in my mind. Okay. Like certainly Northwestern is, is, is a horrible defense and they ran the ball with that being said, there were changes Iowa made finally on the offensive line. They move one of their tackles to guard. It's just a better fit for them. I believe the inside zone took off because of that. It is an improvement that I expect to see. So what does that mean? No, I don't think I was going to have a quote unquote good offense, but this is not a good Purdue defense anymore. I thought it was a good Purdue defense at the beginning of the year. Something's wrong with it, injuries or whatnot. So I don't think it's a great Purdue defense. I do think the Iowa's offense is a little bit better. That means I expect it to be okay. You ready for this? Like around the 88th best offense in the country. Okay. Like that, by the way, <laughs> right. if you remember, but that was my pie in the sky expectations that I would have the 88th best. So what happens DS if Iowa winds up having the 88th best offense for the last four games? That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Northwestern, you know, or I guess it would be the last five games moving forward. Like, I don't think it's crazy to think with the wide receivers, we got back the changes on the offensive line. The fact DS that we're not going against Illinois, Ohio state, and Michigan. And by the way, Iowa State right now right. in the top five, in the top 10 rankings for points allowed a game, those four teams that I just named are on there along with Iowa. So literally f half of the top 10 teams are either Iowa or teams that Iowa played. Certainly Iowa's offense deserves a lot of the blame, but when you right. go against defenses like that, every offense is going to take a little bit of step back. So so that's, you know, long story short, a combination, I'm getting a little excited here, sorry, but a combination of, of Iowa being a little bit better and not going against such a stalwart of a defense. I'm hoping that means that, that it's good. Or as like my yeah. brother said, good in Iowa terms. I'm like, yes, good in Iowa terms. That's, that's what I think I can reasonably expect on Saturday. All right. One more question before I'll, and then I'll give you my, my uh, score prediction here, but would you, would you prefer that Iowa take the the YOLO shots in this game or not so much? Because I'm not gonna... not so okay. much. Like okay. I, I um I want them to take YOLO shots to Brody Bracht. I've been on record for saying that for quite some time. I think that kid is talented and needs needs his shots. But with the conditions, unless it warrants it, because we're down by 14 points, no. The most important thing for Iowa, both offensively and defensively, is establishing the run. I am expecting them to establish the run. If they can and they have to take YOLO shots, advantage Purdue. Well, and I I was going to say, I think that 
the where you can get Purdue's passing attack because it's Iowa, because they're not a, a juggernaut passing team going those short to intermediate routes, I think is where they can have their bread buttered in this game. If you take the YOLO shot, that's where I feel like Iowa doesn't have quite the athletes and that's where Purdue can create some turnovers. So I would just try to avoid that. I was interested to hear that take though, since we talked about it. All right. So I cannot get off the, the 24 point thing three times in five years. So I am sticking with it. I have Purdue 24, Iowa 21. So that is a Iowa cover and that is an ever so slight over. We're close, but we are different. Um, call me a homer. I don't know. I feel it, man. I don't know what to say. Like, And maybe I'm just too intoxicated by the Northwestern game, and we will go right <laughs> sure. back to feeling how we feel about the Iowa offense. That very well could be. I'm expecting Iowa to run the ball. I don't think they'll do great passing the ball, but I just expect them to run the ball, and I expect Iowa's defense to look good. Not great, just good not getting hit with as much shots with the weather playing into that. I've got Iowa 21, Purdue 20. So that's an Iowa cover. That's a great game. And at 41 points, I got it going just under the game total. There we go. I like it. Yeah. You know what? I, I And I'm sitting there. Like, as I'm getting excited talking about Iowa, I apologize for anybody that's, like, not an Iowa fan listening to that. But, like, when I saw this game win, I remember thinking to myself, meaning in the fan votes for the game of the week, I remember thinking to myself, I'm glad I didn't pick it because then I would be guilty of, you know, of of this being the game of the week. And maybe it's because I'm Iowa and you're Purdue. But once we started breaking it down, this that really is an interesting game. That's a, it's an interesting game that was uh, Maryland, Wisconsin is going to be a lot of fun. I, but I have to say, I'm shocked that uh, a bunch of Husker and Gopher yep. fans did not hammer, break their phones, hammering the Minnesota Nebraska game for the game of the week. Yeah. But uh, because truth, I think, be told, truth be told, people, DS and I were offline shocked because we both yes. thought Minnesota Nebraska <laughs> would, would win. Uh, and by the way, that game, the Maryland-Wisconsin game, Iowa-Purdue, obviously, and uh, Michigan State-Illinois all got into double-digit votes. I think oh, that's wow. the, I think that's the first time I've ever done the poll where all four games got into the double digits. So, you know, this is about as close as we've ever had for Game of the Week. Nice. And I'd like to also point out that there is other football to watch in the country other than Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama, LSU. Like, it's possible. You can actually talk about and watch other football other than that. I know that's that's hard for some people to accept. Oh, look at you chasing ghosts again. <laughs> I'm Jeffrey the Green. I'm not Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes of Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>